0: Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.
1: What is Moondog? Moondog Makers and Bakers is not just a catering company. It's a tradition with innovation and something familiar just done differently. You get a taste of what they're truly all about. You can order some awesome merch, crafted spice blends, or request catering for your very own event. MoondogMakersAndBakers.com. In Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mama's on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello.
2: What a surprise. Rhino's here. Hey, dude. Howdy, howdy. I heard somebody said that to me last night, and I thought, you know, I have really been around a while. If I am now the big Lebowski, I've really got... Some other things to deal with.
3: Well, that's just like your opinion, man. But it's
2: comfortable. Exactly. I, I still don't go out. I don't go out in a bathrobe. I don't go out in my cowboy hat either, so... And yes, I do have one. (laughs) Welcome into weekend gardening. Here, the home of facts you probably don't need, but on the other hand, will hopefully make you smile. I don't know if if you're a gardener, thank you so much for being a gardener. If you're a radio person, thank you so much for being a radio person. If you're both, well, welcome to my world. My name's Nellie Neal. I am indeed the garden mama. And yeah. Yeah, I'm a gardener and a radio person, and it's really happy to be here with you today. Greg's already weighed in on our C Spire text line. Howdy. I hope everything is well. Um, He's... He's back now, he says, and we, we did notice that you weren't there um, before, but on the other hand, we didn't know you were gone. So we knew you were not here, but we didn't know you were gone. How about that? You can also get in touch, of course, on the Super Talk call line, 888 What are you doing in your garden? What do you think you should be doing? What do you want to be doing? You know what you should be doing? You should be planting carrots. Mm-hmm. You should be, it, it, it may be even beets, maybe even radishes, but the carrots, because it takes a couple of months for them to make, and we would like to get in a crop of carrots statewide before the weather gets too hot for them. That means somewhere between potato planting time in February and the beginning of March, most of us need to go ahead and at least give it a try. If we have a late freeze and we lose them, what have you lost, you know, a, a, a package of carrot seeds. But on the other hand, if you if you get them going, they're going to be delicious. They're going to be magnificent. Because guess what? What you grow at your house is always the best tasting for you. Trust me. If you hadn't done this before, I'm here to help you. Carrots are not the easiest place to start, but why not? Give it a go. You can do them in a big container. Or a deep container. It doesn't have to be all that wide, but it needs to be deep. You can also do this in a, a raised bed. If you've got a good garden row or two that you're not using right now for something else, that's a good place to put carrots. But what we're looking at is a time thing. It's all gardening. It comes down to a schedule of one sort or another, either yours or your plants, hopefully more the plants. And in this case, growing carrots, frankly, has to. you have to have time. You can grow the radishes in 30 days, so you can be planting radishes today, but you can also be planting them the 1st of April, <laughs> you know, on and on and on. Carrots, not so much. you got to plant them somewhere between fall and very, very early spring in order to get them out of the ground before it just gets too hot for them to do. All right? All right. That kind of wisdom, I hope, will help you. If you've got questions, um, I'm, uh, we've got abides. The garden mama abides. Um, coming in. Appreciate that so much. It's right up there with Gardening Takes Guts. We need to make T shirts. Um somewhere in here. Does anybody wear t shirts? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Maybe you do too. Today's turtleneck is compliments of the cold day that I'm about to experience and I will be outside. Uh oh. I don't usually don't usually do that, but I've got some things I gotta get done in the outdoors. This time of year, on the odd week when it's cold and not warm and not cold. This is not the freezing. I wouldn't be going out, but I've got things I need to do, so it's warm enough for that if I dress properly. And actually, next week is going to be looking a little bit more moderated. That's also a good thing. But, you know, if I I lived in Chicago, I would not be even... Good morning, y'all. I would not actually be up yet, probably, because it's so cold. I would rather be under the blankets. But the good news is... That's why I live in the South. <laughs> it's one of, one of the many reasons. They told me when I moved here that it takes about 25 years to be from here. I'm from here now. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Mike, you're in Houston. What's going on? Ooh, onions. Yes. I, I bought uh, three
4: containers of onion, three onion sets, I just call them, and, uh, you know, white, yellow, and red. And I got those... Cattle feed uh, to to big old nice black uh, heavy duty plastic tubs. Mm-hmm. I thought about uh, filling them full of dirt. I've going gone full full dirt, but as I plant them two inches apart in this outside round circle, they come in about two inches and do another concentric. Uh, in other words, I will have a pot of onions.
2: Sure, no problem. Would, would
4: that would that work?
2: Yes, as long as you're putting holes in the bottom of that thing so it can drain.
4: I don't put holes in the bottom of my bucket. I put them on the sides so I have a reservoir.
2: Well, the sides are good as long as you got enough so that the onions don't ever sit in water. Is the point? True. They just if they so sit true. in water, they're going to rot. <laughs> so don't let them do that. But yeah, you can drill the holes around the sides. Um, I have. I have one of those cattle feed containers that actually cracked at the bottom, and that's the one I've been growing potatoes in now for a while, and it, it works very, very well. But, yes, if I were a little bit more organized, I would probably drill holes in the side because it does help but not only with water drainage but with air drainage. Oh, now, true. Now, I'll tell you something else that um, a lot of people might not think about. If you will literally give your, because that's a deep container, that container's probably two feet deep, and the onions don't need but about 10 inches of soil, so if you want to just put in enough for them to grow in, then you have a little shelter around the top of them, which may not be so important for you in Houston, but people in other parts of the state or even the country might want that protection from the colder winds that come along in the, the later spring, okay?
4: And also the winds, and also the hard blowing winds.
2: All the hard winds can really do some chill work on on the onions. I have to tell you though, my onions um, are are filling up one section of well, they're in several places in the garden, but they're filling up one section of my grow table. And the squirrels have decided that they're interested. They don't they don't eat them. They just go dig around them. And I, there's no acorns in there. They're not burying something. I'm afraid they're just bored. And I've got to get something to keep them out of there. I don't want to harvest all the onions immediately.
4: <laughs> anyway,
2: yeah, you can do that. I don't have any problem with that. I I think onions are one of those things that if we're not, as long as it's not the middle of the summer, we're gonna get some nice, good green growth on them, even if they don't make onions. And the, whether or not they make onions, of course, depends on what kind of onions they come from, whether what day length, whether they're day length or or, or neutral, and of course also the individual area's weather. But you're going to get some green onions out of there, and so why not? You've got the sets. Yeah. I say plant them.
4: So, I got some citronella seeds.
2: Ah, interesting.
4: That's too early.
2: Well, you're going to want to set them out after the frost is finished, so you, it t- it's going to take six or eight weeks. I don't have any problem starting those seeds now.
4: And uh, in those big tubs, how, m- how much should I put in those? About four, or five, or six?
2: I don't know. Um, I would probably, if, I, if I've got a square foot of space, you've got more than that in one of those big tubs, but if you've got a square foot of space, you can certainly put two citronella seedlings in there after they're, you know, and they'll grow ahead and turn into plants and not crowd each other. So you'll have room for three or four anyway.
4: As I've always said, uh, Nellie, you're doing a good job. And oh, yeah, by the way, I've got a kitchen full of amaryllis.
5: <laughs> oh, how
2: fun. I know it's beautiful. Thank you, Mike. Love, love, love those amaryllis. I tell you what, growing flowers is so much fun. Growing food is a blast, but growing flowers is fun, too, especially on a gray day, because it's it's a joy to have them and see them. Let's see. Um, Rhino, I'm going to ask you whether or not this is a way that can be put on to the radio, or if this is something, all right, well, go ahead. J. Jason Perkinson, (laughs) go ahead. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Doing very well.
6: Good. I got me a cheatin' way. I don't know if you like a cheap way, but it's old way. I'm starting my seeds. I've already got some long strands on my corn and my uh, carrots. Paper towels, water, and them old trays that they send buffets, meat stuff in, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, pancake stuff. Like a little terrarium. I've been using those for years. Yep. yep. I've about got some potatoes popped out of hard seeds.
2: Well, the the carrots can be tif- difficult for some people to transplant, but obviously you're not having any problem with that. So I say go for it. That's wonderful.
6: Well, what I, what you do once the seeds start uh, going out?
2: You plant the paper towel, right?
6: You yeah, you plant the paper towel, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, paper towel. You just cut it out and put it in your pot and get going.
2: Yep. I like it. What variety do you grow? What do you like?
6: Oh, God. it's a big, it's a big one. I can't never remember, but it's real big around. It's like two, almost two inches around, and I got some in purple ones. Oh you know, yeah, it's
2: my, it's love that.
6: Redhead orders them online, and they get there, and it's like, oh, okay, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but, well,
2: I mean, as long I, as they grow and they taste good, it, that's all that matters. <laughs>
6: yes, yeah, ma'am. They do. They do very
2: Thank you, sir. Appreciate the tip. I'll, I'll pass it along. In case you all don't know what he's talking about, when I talk to you about testing seed to see if they're going to sprout, we talk about wetting a paper towel and laying the seeds in there. You know, you find a package of seed and it's three years old, but it's been in the drawer the whole time. It's probably not bad. So go ahead and test a few of them to see if they'll sprout. Well, what he's doing, of course, is continuing that process. Not not to the microgreen level, all right? We're not growing something to eat in the tray, but just growing it enough to sprout, and then you cut the paper towel in pieces and plant that. This also presumes that you will not plant all the seed in one spot, because <laughs> thinning carrots is also very difficult. <laughs> one more piece of it that's not so simple. But what a great idea. And I'm all about, um, so, so you know, supply shortages notwithstanding, I'm all about some paper towels, <laughs> so... I'm not going to talk about that. (laughs) Let's see. Fulton's looking good today. Thank you, Brian. Good to hear from you. Um, Let's see. (laughs) Thank you, Brenda. Appreciate that. Yes, that is one of the funny ones. Buy lots of plants. Anyway. Yes. See, I like it when y'all send things that I can only giggle about. I have to be careful what I say out loud. Talking about seeds, though I've been um going through my seeds. I do this every year if it's more than five years old and I can recognize that it's more than five years old, I throw it out i'm just I've gotten to be really good about doing that because at that point I find with my really haphazard seed storing methods, which is basically a drawer full of seeds, um, they're gone by about that time. They've dried up or they've flattened out or something.
3: Is there any plant that you would find and say it's five, six, seven years old and and you would not throw the seeds out? You would do your best to to save them? Sure,
2: sure. Anything where the seeds have been well taken care of for that particular plant, yes. Um, For example, some people will tell you that they freeze tomato seeds because they collect the seeds from their plants that they really like, and then they want to start a few next year, and they want to start a few the next year. So they'll freeze them. I don't freeze seeds, but when they're properly taken care of, yes, they can last much longer. Um, that's absolutely true. Let's see now. Coming in again. I'll forget, okay. What? <laughs> Y'all are funny. These are great today. Thank you very much. You're making me giggle, and that's always fun. Now, listen, we've got some research from Boston University that we really do need to understand. It's just been Arbor Day here in our state and some others, and of course Arbor Day in other parts of the country is a little bit later on, but tree planting and the cultivation of the trees that we have is more important than we even knew. The Research from Boston University is letting us know that the trees actually take in carbon dioxide and release um, oxygen, of course, by way of photosynthesis. But we're also finding out that, d- depending on the species, they are storing an enormous amount of carbon in their trunks. So, in other words, they're sequestering carbon in the same way that we're building things to do that. And we can't just plant more trees, but we can, yes, indeed, cultivate the ones that we have and plant some more in order to make this work. Forests actually do store more carbon dioxide than they release, and that is very good for us. I love um, that that. About 30% of carbon emissions from burning any of the fossil fuels is that are taken in by the forests actually um, produce a wonderful effect that I need a t-shirt for, Terrestrial Carbon Sink. Don't forget, Plant a Tree. It's
3: a great band name.
2: Isn't that great? You can just see on the side of their truck. You know? Debbie, come on in now from outside Weston. What's going on?
4: Oh, well, I can barely hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, I have a question about carrots. Mm-hmm. Are carrot tops, the green parts, edible?
2: Yes. Wonderful. Great. Thank Especially, you. Especially, wait now, listen to me. Especially if uh-huh. you know how they were grown, if they were sprayed with something that you don't want to eat, that's a different story. That seldom happens, but it is why when you buy a package of carrots, the tops are cut off um, because those are then oftentimes sold into things like pesto. You know, oh, they're, I was they're, asking about if I grew them myself. Yes, I uh, well, that. well, I just have to add the info because somebody may say, well, then how come they don't sell me the tops to the carrots? And well, sometimes they do but sometimes they don't and those are actually usually recycled into a food source absolutely okay well thank you dear i appreciate you. now i'm going to tell you something debbie i'm going to be at buds and blooms on i was pl- hoping to say this you have played into my hand today i'll be there on march the twelfth to talk about houseplants at one o'clock in the afternoon please come see me all right thank you thank you ma'am good to hear from you today carrots are one of those things that i realize and, and as i say this um... well there were parades last night, so my son's probably not listening. There are people that absolutely detest carrots. I get that. I have personal experience with people who detest carrots. I don't understand it. They're really good, but if all you've ever eaten are the ones that are in the can, you may you may have a good reason not to. I didn't like beets until I ate fresh ones. I'd eaten can. They would forced canned beets on me my whole life, and I never liked them. There's just so much variety with carrots. How do you not find at least something you like? Exactly. And now, particularly because the rainbow carrots are so cultivated, um, the purple ones actually do taste different from the orange ones. Okay, it's still carrots, but they're different. I I maintain that for those of us who have an affection for canned soups, that if it's a good carrot year, they can run you right out of the aisle because every can will have all the carrots in it. Now, I realize that's good for the carrot farmers, but we do need a few other flavors. So that's why I like, that's one of the reasons I like the fresh ones anyway. Oh, let's see. Raising gluckstat, does this mean that the zinnia seeds that belonged to my sister 40 years ago and stored in a medicine bottle will not sprout? No, doesn't mean they won't at all. It just means get a wet paper towel and test three or four of them before you go plant them in the yard and take up space. See if they'll sprout. If they'll sprout... Like I said, if they're stored in the way that that particular plant likes and away from light and away from heat is very beneficial to zinnias. Plus, if you open the jar and they turn to dust, you'll know that they're too old. But on the other hand, try some. Let me know. She saved those things for a reason. Let's see if it works. (laughs) All right, now stick around because we got a lot to do today here on Weekend Gardening.
7: our teens make on prom night can impact them for the rest of their lives. Hi, I'm Chris Howard, Executive Director of the Mississippi Department of Rehabilitation Services. Because vehicle accidents are a leading cause of brain and spinal cord injuries in our state, we have teamed up with the Mississippi Highway Patrol to show young adults the serious consequences of poor choices behind the wheel. To learn more or book a Please Return on Monday program at your school, please visit us at mdrs.ms.gov. That's mdrs.ms.gov.
5: Do
0: your pets have the same energy they used to? Do they have problems with itching, scratching, a dull coat, or goopy ears? Then your pets need Dynovite.
9: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com.
0: For over 20 years, pet owners have trusted Dynovite to supplement their pet's diet. We started
10: Dynovite, and in our first box, we noticed a difference.
0: Dynovite is an all-natural daily supplement made from whole foods that helps support your pet's immune system, digestion, skin, and coat. Within
6: three weeks, he's not scratching and itching, and he's an all-around
0: happier dog. These commercial pet foods are processed at high temperatures, which bakes out all the essential goodness. These processed foods can lack the essential vitamins, enzymes, and probiotics that contribute to overall good health. Adding a scoop of Dynavite to your pet's food bowl is the answer.
9: If you love your pets
11: as much as I do, you'll want to do what's best for them, to live long, healthy, happy lives. I have
9: two cats and two dogs. All four of them are on the Dynavite.
0: You won't believe how happy your
5: dog will be.
9: D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E
12: At Gateway Rescue Mission, we feed hungry people. We offer shelter to people seeking life change. And we serve as sort of a beacon of hope that says, Hey, God cares for you. I'm Rex Baker. Rescue Mission work is not glamorous, but we do see lives changed. Check us out at gatewaymission.org, Find out how you can get involved and join God at work here in Jackson and at Gateway Rescue Mission.
8: the new degree of
10: comfort.
12: Spring is coming, but West Nile virus is already in central Mississippi. Hi, this is Joe Rooks. Come by our Clinton Revel Ace Hardware location this Saturday, February 26th from 7 a.m. until noon. Revel Ace will be giving away Spartan Mosquito, Protech, and Spartan Go to the first 500 customers. See you this Saturday at Revel Ace Hardware, 730 Clinton Parkway in Clinton, Mississippi.
13: The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. The wings, the chicken tenders and bites, fried or grilled, and the best specialty pizzas in the metro. Call 769-208-8283. That's 769-208-8283. 769-208-8283.
2: You know, one of the things that um, human beings treasure as much as I think anything else is human touch. And if we didn't know that already, certainly the pandemic taught us that the um, that, that, that fist bumps don't replace hugs. I'm just going to put it like that. It's true. Now, fist bumps are not a bad thing. Elbow bunches or bumps are not a bad thing. But the the sense of touch is really what we human beings relate to and rely on, really, for understanding our other senses in many, many ways. In the world of of um, technical terms and, frankly, um, technology that is beyond my pay grade, the word haptic relates to senses, relates to this touch sensing. Now you've heard it in, in several things. It's usually a, a piece of a word rather than the whole word. but what we're working on this month is understanding frankly how in the world do we translate that and there have been several stories that have popped out about ways that they're training robots to have greater haptic senses i think of this in terms of i'll believe it all when i see one put in my contact lens, I don't wear them myself, but that to me is the ultimate haptic sense, is your ability to put things in your eye with great sensitivity and without hurting anything or messing anything up. So the, 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 the journal Nature Machine Intelligence now there's an oxymoron. <laughs> um, the folks at Max Planck Institute are letting us know that they have a robust, soft haptic sensor. In other words, it's like a, a, a basically a thumb that puts it puts information into teaching the robot how to put the contact lens in my eye, or how to how to do whatever this next thing is, how to do this more sensitively and with greater haptic sense. I love this. This is. It's got a camera in it, and they use what the finger, what the what the digit sees in order to teach the robot how to see better. I, I anticipate there's going to be a whole lot of, in, in the same way that we've learned so many things about the ways to improve our other systems from our work with AI and our work with the robot world, we're going to learn a whole lot more about our own selves, because that's always the way the best things work out. But I love this. Um, It's it's your finger-sized cap, all right? It's a soft shell built around a stiff skeleton. The whole point is that basically like the bones hold up your fingers' soft tissue, all right? It's built that way. So I think this is very, very cool. It's an opaque grayish color, so no external light can get in. It's got um, dark but but reflective quality. So this is strictly what's going on inside with touch, all right? There's not anything outside. But inside that little tiny cap, little tiny cap, is a 160-degree fisheye camera. (laughs) I love this. And a set of LED lights. Come on. I need that on my cat. You know, I want this. I love this. And so, in other words, this is how the color pattern inside the sensor can change to understand it. And then that's part of the way that they teach the robot how to be more haptically sensitive. What a surprise! Research is such a cool thing. I don't it's
3: fascinating I, 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 seeing I don't, how it all goes. I don't
2: know how we got to this point, but I'm glad they're doing this. I, I, I'm uh, I'm I've said this before. I'm not I'm not really afraid of robots or AI because I honestly have this Pollyanna sort of vision that they're not going to take over the world. I um, Robot was the first science fiction book that. I ever read that I can remember um because I read it at night under the covers with the flashlight on and Isaac Asimov has been in my head ever since then <laughs> just nothing you can do about it but I still think that humanity that human beings are what dominate this world and therefore, I, just like I don't really believe that as clever they are, I don't think the squirrels are going to take over. I don't really think the robots will either. So I'm interested in this, and I think it's fun. You can argue with me if you want to, but I'll ignore you, because I've been arguing with people about this almost ever since I read I, Robot."
3: <laughs> I just think it's cool to see how different people take different approaches to a similar problem, yes. like the ability for a robot to pick up something without Squeezing it to death because it doesn't know to turn off its servos. Yes. Yes, and you have something like that with with Artificial eye that's teaching it to understand Differences in depth and texture and then you have a a completely opposite approach from I want to say it's in India where they have a, a It's a bulbous I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. It's it's a sack that is filled with a gelatin that is conductive and they have sensors at the top of the suspended sack of gelatin that can tell how much pressure is being put Mm -hmm. on different parts in a spherical sense and they can use it to form itself around certain objects so it can sit down use its own suction to grab something and tell how hard it's being grabbed in a different way than sure. what you were talking well, and about. And
2: that's in a way to measure so you could use you could do that with almost anything. Oh, it yeah. wouldn't have to be the internal part of that particular machine. That's cool. There's always another way to look at it. And I do think that that's part of what human beings are all about. I don't want to get too philosophic, but I, I do believe we learn if we learn something new every day, we continue to learn something new every day. And those are things that I consider very positive. Um, some of the things we've learned this week are not necessarily the most fun, but on the other hand, we have to pay attention, and we pay attention to some things. That's why we garden so we can pay attention to things that are important and also not necessarily pleasant. Um, I was reminded this week, I'll just go ahead and say this, if you think you don't know anybody from Ukraine, you're wrong. Whether it's the the um, Chermakovsky brothers who dance on Dancing with the Stars, or whether it's Mila Kunis, or whether it's any number of other people, these are all you know. You do in fact know people from Ukraine. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, There's there's an awful lot going on in the world all the time, and that's part of why the garden is the most restful and the most calming place. I had someone tell me uh, just yesterday that she hadn't been able to sleep. And she decided that she needed to go out and prune something and something or other. I think it was fig trees, but something uh, it may have been an apple. But she and she said it wore her out because she hadn't done it in two or three years. She slept so great. She realized that that the positivity, positivity of the gardening exercise, as well as the mental. Frankly, hoops you have to jump through to get the gardening done right was actually benefiting her in terms of her sleep, and I think that that's very important for all of us to realize that uh, you know you don't have to just parade all night and stay up all day. You can garden and get just as tired <laughs> at this time of the year. I've been really enjoying watching everybody's parades all over the our area. The the uh, it seems to me that. I don't think that Memphis has a parade, I could be wrong, y'all tell me, but just about every town south of there of any size has a parade at Mardi Gras and, and enjoys having a little bit of that fun. And it's a it's a pretty harmless kind of fun. I'm, I don't want to talk about what you're worried about and what you're afraid of, but I can tell you that celebrating right up until the point where you need to withhold from yourself, because that's what Lent is all about, of course. You know... This is just just like anybody that preaches to you for, for any reason will tell you that you forgive somebody for yourself, not for them. You participate in Lent, you participate in that kind of reduction of you just can't have everything. You might take chocolate off, you might take coffee off, you know, you might, whatever it is. But to to do that for a month or so, it really isn't bad for you. And it's one of those things that gives you the opportunity to have some perspective, and really. We need a little of that from time to time. Johnny, tell me where you are, Johnny, and let's talk knockout roses. <laughs> I'm here in Jackson. Uh, Hello. Uh, I'm,
14: uh, what the, the, the year that we had that hard, hard freeze, I had some uh, beautiful uh, ivy uh, ground cover. Killed every bit of it, and so I just went well, out all up, but I cut it all up and replaced it with knockout roses. Ah. And after I... I planted them. I mean, they they were beautiful. And then I cut them back, I think, around November, somewhere back. But they look real, real, I don't know, they look sickly now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what, if anything, I can do for them. Oh,
2: plenty. How long ago did you, was it last fall that you pruned them, or is it? Yeah, it was early fall. All right. Well I'm gonna tell you don't do that again. (laughs) Now don't do it again. Don't do that again. But here's what here's the thing about knockout roses. About generally shrub roses we prune in February and then we prune again in the summer or we do a little bit of pruning every time they bloom to get them to bloom some more. And in the case of knockouts, it is the latter that really that they appeal to. They really will put out more flowers the more times you can cut off the flowers as they finish, they'll keep putting on flowers through the season. Now, They do get too big for their space sometimes, and when that happens, we do want to cut them back, but not as much as we might cut some of the other roses back. In terms of knockouts, if it's a four-foot-tall knockout, I don't want to cut off more than a foot of its overall size and height and shape all the way around at any point, because Knockouts are so vigorous that they'll then turn around and try and grow too many leaves. <laughs> so you end up with a bush instead of flowers. Wow. So they're, they're delightful plants, and that's one of the reasons we like them so much. Now, all of that being said, the winter that you're talking about, I watched a man go out afterwards because uh, the knockouts had been in front of the church down the way from my house, and he took a chainsaw to them. And I said to myself, well, that's the end of that which shows you how much I know because they're still growing today. <laughs> but they they do need a little pruning, but I hope he doesn't come back with a chainsaw. When they're young, they probably can take that better than when they're older. And yours were not that old when you did this to them, so I think they're going to be fine. What I want you to do is to look at them and see if their basic bottom canes, the, the things that actually come out of the ground, if those are strong-looking, they're going to be fine. If you've got some of those that are wimpy or weak or too tiny, too small around to stand up on their own, you can go ahead and cut those off. It's February. This is when we prune roses anyway. Then you can take a little t- off each tip, maybe three or four inches at the most, off of each tip of bra- each branch. Then don't do anything else to them, and in one month, fertilize them. And I believe you'll have flowers by about Mother's Day.
14: Okay, So so so... What I need to do then is is fertilize. Can I fertilize them right now, is
2: what you're saying? No, I want you to wait a month to fertilize them. But what I want you to do right now is just a little bit of pruning if they need it. If there's any of the canes coming out of the ground that are weak and wimpy looking, cut those off. If there's any branches that are, you know, they they may have dropped all their leaves. Some of them have, some of them haven't. But if there's any, what we're trying to do is stimulate new growth, which is going to start here in just a few weeks. And so to do that, I want you to take the tip off of each of the branches that are standing there, maybe two or three inches off of each one at the most. Then leave it be. When we get a month from now, then you can fertilize.
14: Fertilize. Okay. Do Is there anything, any particular fertilizer that you...
2: Um, There's plenty of them that are made for roses or for flowering shrubs. The only thing I would not get is one that's made for acid-loving plants like gardenias and you know, azaleas and that sort of stuff. That's not particularly good for roses. But just about anything else will suit them just fine.
14: So would I dig around the roof to fertilize them or just...
2: Probably going to be something you sprinkle on top of the soil. Um, Most of the modern products are just intended to be sprinkled on top of the soil, and then you put the mulch back on top.
14: Okay, sprinkle on top, so and then put the mulch back on top. Mm-hmm. Do I fertilize it after I sprinkle it? If it, I mean, not fertilize it, but water it
2: if, it. if it turns out that it's dry, that's always a good idea. Yes, but, but even before, if it if it's really really dry next month, after last year, I don't think there's ever going to be another dry spring. So I'm like, I may be wrong, but <laughs> okay. I'm tending to okay. think it's going to be wet. But I could be wrong about that. I've been wrong before. So okay, okay.
14: Right, prune right now, and then about mm-hmm. a month from now, fertilize Yeah, it.
2: prune just a little bit to get them kicked off, and then fertilize in a month. Okay, okay. I feel better now. Well, good. I look forward to hearing from you again and how they're doing it's around easy. Mother's I Day. Will, I will, I, after I get
14: them going, and not if I get them going, but after I get them going, I would definitely call you and say, thanks.
2: Thank you, sir. Good to hear from you. Take care of my town today. We're, we're we're looking at some gray weather, which is why I'm going out and doing what I'm going to do. i got to prune some more stuff. But, oh, my goodness. It's a, it's a chilly day for rose pruning. It is a good day, however. Yes, Ken, you're right. You do need to do that. You need to trim. <laughs> um, I don't know that vine, but I'm going to get up close to it during the break and see if I can puzzle out what it is. If you can tell me, Ken, whether this is um, always this color, or whether this is the winter color, that will help me. So if you can text me and tell me that, and you of course can text me on the CSPA text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five, and of course I just love hearing from y'all on the CSPA on the I'm sorry on the SuperTalk call line that always is triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven. One of the things that I am doing um, this weekend is literally cooking the food that I would be eating if I were in New Orleans, just because I'm jealous of my children who are having etouffee this weekend. So I'm going to just tell you what Mark Twain said about it. Now, this is not against anybody else. Every town is great, but I don't think there were as many celebrations back when as there are now, when he said, it's been said that a Scotsman has not seen the world until he has seen Edinburgh, and I think that I may say that America has not seen the United States until he has seen Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Now, we can argue, but let's don't. It's too nice a day. Peace, love, and oh, by the way, uh, a little bit of music. This is Weekend Gardening.
5: Time to take a road trip down to the coast. For CPR Fest 20. Outside on the grounds of the Mississippi Coast Coliseum. Saturday, April 2nd. Starring Mississippi's own Three Doors Down. Live. Three Doors Down with Seether. Plus Bad Flower. points. Society And special guest Giovanni and the Hired Guns. And check out the best local music in this state on the CPR Fest Homegrown Stage. A very limited number of reserved seats are on sale now. General admission tickets, just $35 plus Ticketmaster fees. Don't wait, get yours now at Ticketmaster.com. It's the biggest rock show of the year. Saturday, April 2nd, outside of the Mississippi Coast Coliseum in Biloxi.
1: Tax
15: refund? Spend it on something you really need, a set of Kenda tires from Gateway Tire and Service Center. With each and every Gateway Tire purchase comes free flat repairs, free rotations, free road hazard, and free tire balancing. Plus, with four locations near you, we'll make sure you and your new Kenda tires are back on the road fast. If you need mechanical repairs, visit your Jackson or Yazoo City Gateway Tire for brake work, AC tune-up, suspension service, and so much more. See complete details online at gatewaytire.com. That's gatewaytire.com.
5: Bye.
2: I wish I could play like that. I wish my fingers could just be a blur that I could pick so fast on the auto harp that it would just be hard to even imagine. But no, the good news is that a lot of other people can, so I get to listen. <laughs> so do you. Still working on the vine. Talking about this pear tree um, that, that we looked at last week, interestingly enough, it's going to be kind of tough to get the branches not to grow straight up. And here's why. They already are. And they're fairly thick. In other words, you can train a tree to, to to go more out when it's young. And now that it's fully grown, it really, they do pretty much each one make a right angle. Now, if more than one branch comes out at the tip, you certainly right now can choose which one to leave. And you would choose the one that has a greater roundedness to it. But the only other way to, to get there is going to be to wire those branches, and I don't admit, I don't think that's a good idea in a, a tree that's this young. I mean, this old rather. They're not going to be very supple, and if the tree is bearing, it doesn't. You know, it's it's it doesn't matter that it looks like this because it's not an unpleasant looking tree. It's just very right angled, and you're right. It goes out and up. So. if I'm
3: not mistaken that's actually how a lot of forestry and woodland was managed for a long part well, of history some
2: of it is some some of it in, in the case of bearing pears they were trying to get more branches down low yeah and by doing that you end up with right angles instead of a lot of nice round instead of going up and out and around you end up going out and up <laughs> instead of up and out if that makes sense any sense at all. I'm waving my arms in the air. Those of you who are looking at the video are going, Why is she waving her arms in the air? Well, because that's what I'm talking about. But there's not a whole there's not a great way to change it without doing more pruning than this tree actually needs to have done to it. But I sure do bet I bet those pears are good though. I'm telling you, I love I love homegrown pears. They're they're the best. And I appreciate your kind words about the show too. Thank you very much. Um It's a hard one to unprune. Now, I would, I'll tell you the truth, I would shorten each thing and then give it the opportunity to get each each of the branches, not the major branches, but the side branches, and then give them the opportunity to perhaps send out more than one shoot. Hopefully one of them would be a more rounded one. Okay? Okay. Um, Ken, I'm looking at this vine, and it, it it could be one of several different things. So I'm gonna send you a couple of notes and um, hopefully one of them will turn out to be the one. There there are a few there are a few vines that have red leaves, there are a few that turn red in the winter, but this doesn't look like either one of those, so I'm working on it. All right, on to the phones. Dave, you're in forest. Let's talk about plum trees. Y'all are making me hungry with all this talk today. <laughs> hey Dave.
6: Yes, ma'am. On the plum tree, the new growth that goes straight up.
4: You need to cut all that off.
2: How old is the tree?
4: Uh, three years old.
2: Yes, you want to. That's. This is the point. Now, see, I'm just talking to this lady about her pear tree, and this is exactly what I'm saying. You can do that kind of removal. When the tree is young because you're encouraging, you're directing its growth at that point. Her tree's old, it's real hard to do that. But yes, you have the opportunity to stop the straight up growth and, and encourage the ones that are going out and around. Absolutely. Okay, thank Absolutely. You. Thank you, Dave. What do you know what variety you're growing?
6: I have no idea.
2: Okay. Well enjoy them. Isn't that funny? We, most people would not get a car if they didn't know what kind of car it was. But we will go buy a tree. It's, we're going to have a lot longer than that car
3: in most cases.
2: <laughs> oh, I
3: saw a video uh, middle of the week. It was a guy, I want to say he was from England, and he was really excited about a plant he saw in Georgia. Because it's something apparently you can't buy, but it's a fruit. It's called a finger lime. Oh,
2: yeah, Sure. And you he, can't he, he buy them. He you... couldn't get that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you about finger limes at another point, but every place has something. One of the biggest surprises that I, I – this is going to sound funny. You'd think I'd notice something more exciting than this. But the first time that I went to Europe, I was shocked to discover that they were actually selling plants of goldenrod to, for you to put in your your, your yard. <laughs> Every, things that we are we, we are busily out here trying to get rid of them in many places. Not that we ever will, because we have plenty. But it's it's one of those things where if it's rare and unusual. I mean, you know, that's how did we end up having conservatories? How did we end up having people build glass houses for plants? For goodness sakes, what's well, because of oranges? They fell in love with the oranges that people found in the tropics, you know, on the explorations, and brought them back to the cold north, and we had to do something. Plus, they don't have as large a sunlight profile as we would have in other parts of the world. So England really set about building conservatories, building buildings that would encourage more light and capture all of it and put it in on those oranges. It's wonderful. It's just wonderful. Delightful stuff. Um, Let's see. Bill's got a hibiscus that... (laughs) It seems to be root bound, but it's all I can do to move it from the deck to the greenhouse every year. Is there anything I can do without getting a bigger pot? Ooh, that's so tough. Um, I, obviously, I'm going to say wheels and um, a, a friend with large muscles. I don't. I mean, those are both possibilities. But unless you're willing to unpot it, it's. It, you're you're still going to have to put it back into a container. But you might be able to pot it into a lighter weight container. Or you might be able to pot it with a lighter weight soil, or if it's a container that's really big and there's no roots in the bottom third of it, for example, that's where you can put packing peanuts or other things that would be lightweight and put the soil on top of it. That will work for a while, but it's very difficult. Um, that that heavy weight, you know, I, I have a spot in my back where I can show you right now that I moved my lemon tree this week. <laughs> you know? It's it's still outside, by the way. It's, they're not on they're not entirely on their own but they, they, they there's not there's not freezing weather predicted where I am so I'm going ahead and letting it sit outside for a little while. But oh, what a good problem to have though cuz I know that hibiscus is absolutely beautiful when it's in bloom. And yeah, wheels are really the only answer that makes much sense. Let's oh, let's hop to Long Beach. Thank you for calling John. What's on your mind today?
4: Hi, good morning. I love your show, by the way. Thank you very and much.
2: Rhino. Thank
4: you. I uh, hear Rhino during the week, too. But uh, i got a question for you about, uh, I've got, a, we just bought a house, and we have a small citrus tree. Well, the tree's not small, but the fruit is small, about the size of a grape tomato, Mhm. Uh, and I don't know what it is. It's probably
2: a kumquat. <laughs> it's K-U-M-Q-U-A-T. Okay.
4: Okay, and can it's so big? How how far can I cut it down from the top to prevent it from uh,
2: to 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 keep from killing it? Well, you you don't ever want to take off more than about a quarter of a citrus tree's height in one year. Okay, but it won't grow back that whole amount. So next year you can lower it a little bit more if you need. That's to. fine. But, That's fine. But the the fruit are going to make. They're making now, I presume. You, you probably from the late fall till. Till you pick them all, right? I mean,
4: <laughs> right. Um, you can't do it like you do the crepe myrtles.
2: <laughs> no, they're not quite the same. But there are sweet and there are tart kumquats, and depending on which one you have, um, it, it, they're. I mean, they're wonderful. I love them. They're my mother's favorite citrus. I've grown up with them, but I got to tell you, the the tart ones are tart, and the sweet ones are still not all that sweet. But they're delicious. These are,
4: re- these are really sweet. I was perfect. shocked. Perfect. I, uh... That's
2: perfect. You have something we all want. <laughs> and now we're having folks weigh in on the text line. Kumquats make excellent pies. I can tell you that they make the best marmalade in the whole world. <laughs> they're they're beautiful for decorating with. And they're also absolutely delicious. Thank you for calling. Appreciate hearing from you, John. Take care of that tree. Now look now, we got some time to go here. So y'all don't jump away too far. Get a cup of coffee, roll on back, turn up the radio, call Aunt Maud. This is Weekend Gardening.
13: old as Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation.
16: Next year, we'll be celebrating our 100th anniversary. Since 1922, our purpose has been to provide a unified voice for Mississippi farmers in the legislative arena and serve as a leader in the state's agricultural community. After a century, we remain as committed as we were day one. When Mississippi farmers thrive, we all
1: thrive. You can bet the farm on it. To learn more about the Mississippi Farm Bureau Federation, visit us
7: online at msfb.org.
8: Dear Mississippi, it's our great honor to serve as your physicians. It's from that sense of service that we ask that you help protect all Mississippians and our loved ones by getting vaccinated. Vaccines are safe and reliable and even effective against the Delta variant. Getting vaccinated helps protect our children, supports our health care workers in
2: their efforts, and helps save lives. We understand that you may have questions. Please
8: reach out to your primary care physician for answers.
12: Spring is coming, but West Nile virus is already in central Mississippi. Hi, this is Joe Rooks. Come by our Clinton Revel Ace Hardware location this Saturday, February 26th from 7 a.m. until noon. Revel Ace will be giving away Spartan Mosquito, ProTech and Spartan Go to the first 500 customers. See you this Saturday at Revel Ace Hardware, 730 Clinton Parkway in Clinton, Mississippi.
13: Your
1: home for Ole Miss Sports, WFMN, Flora Jackson, Super Talk, Mississippi, powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros, 601 345 8090.
10: It's Lissa Arbuckle, and you're listening to Super Talk, Mississippi News.
7: Any decrease, even, even if it's slight, uh, decrease in the oil supply is going to affect uh, oil prices and uh, gasoline prices. Even a 1% can, uh, can add 20% to your gasoline bill.
10: That's what David Snodgrass of the Mississippi Oil and Gas Board told Holly Emery of WLBT regarding the likelihood of gas prices rising in America due to Russia's attack on Ukraine. Russia is currently the third largest producer of petroleum, which could also affect the supply chain throughout all of Europe. During his address on Thursday, President Biden encouraged American oil and gas companies not to utilize this moment to raise fuel prices.
16: I know this is hard and that Americans are already hurting. I will do everything in my power to limit the pain the American people are feeling at the gas pump. This is critical to me, but this aggression cannot go unanswered. If it did, the consequences for America would be much worse. To
10: keep up with the situation in Ukraine, log on to supertalk.fm. The Department of Commerce's National Telecommunications and Information Administration has announced the awarding of 13 grants, totaling more than $277 million as a part of the Broadband Infrastructure Program. One of the grants, totaling more than $32 million, has been awarded to the state of Mississippi as a last-mile and middle-mile broadband development across the state. Approximately 12,487 unserved households across 10 counties will benefit from this grant, according to NTIA. For more information, go to supertalk.fm. Senate Bill 2261, which would enact Buddy's law, is waiting in a Mississippi House committee following the recovery of Buddy, a dog that was burned by a child in April 2021. Buddy's recovery and release from the hospital was announced on February 15th and has since been fostered by his doctor, Betsy Swanson. The bill would require children who abuse an animal to have a psychological evaluation to ensure that help can be given before other crimes involving harm to others are committed. To read more about Buddy's story, go to supertalk.fm.
16: With Sports Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. We're down to the next to the last Saturday in college basketball, and the games today will have a lot of bearing on where teams are seated in the upcoming Southeastern Conference basketball tournaments, which will be in the first part of March. Today, Vanderbilt will be at Mississippi State with a 12 noon tip-off, 11.30 airtime on the MSU Basketball Network. And then at 2.30 tip-off in the Pavilion, Texas A&M will take on the Ole Miss Rebels. That'll be a 2 o'clock airtime on the Ole Miss Basketball Network. The Bulldogs come into the game at 16-12 overall, 7-8 in the Southeastern Conference. Ole Miss, meanwhile, comes in at 4-11 in the Conference and 13-15 and overall. Other games in the Southeastern Conference today: Florida will be at Georgia, Kentucky at Arkansas, Auburn at Tennessee, South Carolina at Alabama, Missouri will be at LSU. This is Super Talk Sports, Mississippi.
5: It's time to take a road trip down to the coast for CPR Fest 20 outside on the grounds of the Mississippi Coast Coliseum Saturday, April 2nd, starring Mississippi's own Three Doors Down live. live. Bad Flower, Dead Court Society, and special guest Giovanni and the Hired Guns. as we
16: get closer to the end of the 2021-22 basketball season, that means it's time to award the Gillum and Howell trophies presented by the Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians and in the Pearl River Resort for the most outstanding college basketball players in Mississippi, men and women. The three finalists for the Gillum trophy, Amisha williams holiday of Jackson State, Anastasia Hayes of Mississippi State, and last year's winner, Shakira Austin of Ole Miss, For the Howell Trophy, Iverson Molinar of Mississippi State, Jarkel Joyner of Ole Miss, and Tyler Stevens of Southern Miss. These players and their respective coaches will be at the luncheon at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame on Monday, March the 7th. And Van Chancellor, former Ole Miss women's coach and coach in the WNBA, will be the guest speaker at the luncheon presented for the Howell and Gillum Trophies at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame and Museum. I'm Nixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi.
1: Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mamas on the radio now to answer your questions and call
0: you.
2: Well, hey baby, can we blame autocorrect for everything? Is that okay? Can we we do that? I just sent out a response and I didn't put a period at the end, but I'm going to I'm going to blame autocorrect I'm not going to take that one (laughs) welcome into weekend gardening I'm here I'm garden mama he's here that's Rhino we're having a lot of fun today because guess what this is when nowhere else in the country all right hello to my dear friends on Cape Cod hello to my dear friends in the mountains hello to my dear friends in California I know y'all have gardening shows and at this time of the year it's pretty pedantic you might be reviewing a good book you might be talking to yourself you might be talking to your co-host well guess what we're talking to you and that's because when i'm here it's all about the phone line the text line your garden your questions and in this part of the world we garden 12 months out of the year no question about it one of the things we do, of course, around here, is keep up with each other's gardens, and in some of the ways that we can uh, try and find out a little bit more about things, that's of course triple eight eight zero eight eight six three seven, the Super Talk call line, and six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five. If you are looking for me the rest of the the rest of the time when I don't happen to be right here, you can reach me, mamaonair on Air, at yahoo.com, or you can go to Link Slash garden mama and it's it that's L I N K T R dot E E. All right, slash Garden Mama. And you'll find me there. Um Frankly that's gonna be the only thing on my new business cards because I don't need to tell you everything, it's all right there. And I'm I'm happy about that. So <laughs> um <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about how much we love SoSo Mississippi just yesterday, at, with a friend of mine, and and now I left the period off of the sentence, so that so my my correspondent has now written back to say, don't worry about it, I'm from SoSo. <laughs> That's not your your English teacher would not agree with me or you, but yes, it's fine. We can, you know, that I'm ending my sentence because I went ahead and hit send. So that's a good thing. On back to the telephones. Jimmy's in past. Chris, Jan. Ooh, good morning. Thank you for getting in touch. What's going on? Bes- good
11: morning, Mama. Happy Martin. Happy Mama. Happy I see you on the computer too. I, I see how you look, but good morning to you. Hello. I love your show. Thank you. Uh, I'm cooking 12 to 15 gallons of turkey gumbo for tomorrow for the uh, Mardi Gras Parade here in Cranston
2: Oh, my goodness. I usually
11: cook seafood, but we're out of seafood right now, so it's going to be turkey. And I love my turkey gumbo now.
2: Oh, my goodness. You break my heart to be out of seafood, but i got to tell you, 15 gallons of turkey gumbo sounds like a fun day. Right?
11: <laughs> <Well, laughs> sounds it, like it you're t- ready for a party. <laughs> three days we had one day of chopping one day of sautéing and now one day of putting it together.
2: Isn't that wonderful? I don't think people realize what when I talk about how much I love Mardi Gras and parades, what I'm talking about It's people like Jimmy, who are cooking, and, you know, everybody thinks that, that their particular school invented the tailgate. I'm telling you, tailgating was invented by people that took their families to Mardi Gras and needed to buy hot dogs from the nuns at the convent. I'm not kidding you. This is my whole life, okay? It's a fundraiser for them. It's a blast for us. But the uh, The gumbo part is really very much more intriguing. Now there there's an awful lot of places where you can get gumbo when you go to a parade, but that's gonna feed a lot of people, Jimmy. That's wonderful.
11: We try to do this part of it.
2: That's just delightful. Well, you know, I, Past Christian. I'm not. I don't have any prejudice against the Mississippi Gulf Coast. I do have a particularly soft spot for Pass Christian, having been there a few times and having had, having, as they say, passed a really good time there. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of fun to be had. Thank you for letting me know. Now, now, when I got it, because somebody's going to now send me a text and say what happened to the seafood. So now, tell me what happened. What what are we short on?
11: Well, we're short on the shrimp right now. No fresh shrimp, and in my gumbo, I like to put. Fresh shrimp, not frozen. I understand. I you know, like fresh crab meat. Oh, yeah. Right now, both are hard to get.
2: Well, and everything's, frankly, um, really depends on that roux. So I know you've got that going. <laughs> oh,
11: yeah.
2: Thank you, Jimmy. Glad to hear from you.
11: For 39 cents a pound at Winn-Dixie, you know, Woo. doing Thanksgiving, so...
2: Yeah, we, that's we, different. We for it. this week back. I love that. <laughs> so smart. We, we do. Now, we are from the South. We do talk about dinner at lunch. You know, We, we do. We, we plan Mardi Gras at Thanksgiving. That's just what we do, because that's how we feel about everybody. Food is love, and you are definitely bringing it for this particular carnival. Thank you very much, Jimmy. Good to hear from you. Yeah, laissez le bon temps roule folks. There's no question about that. No matter where you're from. I'm from North Louisiana, all right? I'm i I'm, I'm a proud member of the odd group of people that grew up along Interstate 20. Cause we admit we're we're an odd group, but we still know how to. Uh, they they're just like there's not always a highway. Used to have to go to Mississippi to go to South Louisiana from my house. All right, it's a little easier now, but it, it is one of those things where sometimes the journey is the exciting thing. Sometimes the getting there, and quite frankly, the route doesn't hurt my feelings at all. That's great. There's uh it does make me worry about my shrimp, however. Hmm. Oh, Penny's in Ocean Springs staying in my In the coastal realm today, on the text line, she's got a raised garden. Do I need to put something in the bottom before I fill it with dirt? No, not in my opinion. You need to turn over what's there. Now, obviously, if there's weeds two feet tall, you need to pull them out. But if it's just grass growing there or anything else, scrape it at the soil surface and then turn that soil over. You don't want to bring the weeds with you. You don't want to bring the plants with you, which will then become weeds. But you do want some of that good, solid soil that's underneath it. So scrape the scrape off whatever's growing or pull it out, turn the soil over, and then put your soil in on top and mix it together with some of your native soil. You'll have a better draining experience, and you'll also have much more um, minerals and all of the natural good that's, that's in our native soils. No matter where we live, whether it's sandy, whether it's gumbo, whether it's like mine and, and it's clay, we have very rich soils. They're just, each one's rich in a different way, and we need to take advantage of that. Ah, oh, building a raised bed. No, that's not what I'm doing today. I am pr- I'm cutting down some things.
3: and Well, that could be cathartic.
2: Well, yes, it is. I I haven't really done this intense level of pruning on these things for about five years, and I'm just tired of them. So I'm going to cut them down and either dig them up or... Not, I probably won't dig them up; they're too old. But I'll get somebody else to come dig them up, and they'll they'll be lovely someplace else. They just need to go. And I think I think sometimes when we plant our landscapes, we're really planting for this year and next, and we're not thinking about ten years down the road. Because, well, not that we don't not that everybody moves, but we tend to be a very mobile culture so we're not thinking that far down the way we 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 talk about planting an oak tree for our grandchildren but beyond that we tend to be thinking is is it going to bloom tomorrow <laughs> you know <laughs> whatever the plant is so you have to kind of take those things into consideration and i've got some shrubs that are just now in too much shade to really do to be as productive as they need to be because what i grow them for are the shoots of their branches that make terrific additions to cut flower bouquets or to cut flower bunches um so i got to get them cut down either to let them start again or to move them because they're not in enough sunlight. And, you know, some, some of gardening is the biggest happenstance. You all realize that, uh, yeah, mm-hmm, I still have that 20-year-old magnolia tree in my front garden that my friend was going to dig up that very next year after it sprouted. <sighs> well... <clears throat> He's, he's a production designer. He's a little busy to come dig up the tree, but I could have gotten rid of it, but I didn't. I, I call it his name and, then, and then cuss it every now and then when I have to cut the branches so they don't hit my truck. <laughs> I don't even like magnolias with their branches cut limbed up, but this one has to have that. And every now and then we have things. People will talk about, where am I going to plant this? Where am I going to plant these annuals or these bulbs or this this or that. And often it comes down to where you can dig the soil in your flower bed. If there's so much roots from one thing that the spot you wanted for it, you'd have to be cutting off the roots of another plant, which you don't find out until you get in there with the plant. Well, that's the point where you need to make a decision. And the better decision generally is to move a little farther away from the plant you were thinking about planting next to. It's a better idea most of the time. Uh, (laughs) That's funny. Y'all are funny today. Let's see. Is it too late um, to prune back? The shishi um, gashira shi, that that is a sasanqua and yes it's too late it's probably already made its seed pods by now um, I know mine has and it's it, it it will affect their blooming the the flowers on sasanquas or the flowers on any camellia camellia sasanqua or camellia japonica or even the even tea camellias. Um, T-A-C-E, they, those are all going to begin setting next year's flowers within a month after they bloom. So since Shishigashira generally blooms in October, November, December, somewhere in there depending on where you live, coming into March, it's going to be March next week, y'all. It's too late. I'm sorry. I wish I had better news for you. <laughs> That's when you'll have to put off. I did not know this, okay. Uh, There's so many terms that I don't know. In gaming, there's a thing called maining. And it means that you pick a main character and you play that character regardless of what happens to them. I mean, I can understand that you would do that. It's like, you know, picking the shoe in Monopoly. You don't go halfway through and switch over to the car. You don't, you know, you have to play with your main character. All right, I get that. But I didn't know that... I, I, I thought call and response was call and response, okay? Well, it turns out it's also shuffle and repeat. And when it comes down to sparrows, sparrows apparently do a better job of shuffle and repeat, that is to say, going back and making their call again and then repeating the call from, from each other, better than people better than most of us. Duke University has been studying this, and I can just imagine. I can see that there's a lot of woods around Duke. I can see them out there going, all right, how are we going to record this one and not that one? But eventually you get them separated, and the, the little quote-unquote bird brain, well, you know, it's a very complicated thing. Whoever invented that is the same person that invented Eats Like a Horse, because they don't. <laughs> so anyway, male sparrows deliberately shuffle and mix their song repertoire for the females that they're trying to court. Um, I'm going to go back a few years, but you may have been into mixtapes at some point. You may have made a mixtape for your beloved or for someone you wished was your beloved and presented it to them as a gift. Certainly, I'm happy to say I have a few of those in one of my office drawers. But um, the, 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 the sparrows are better at it. And recording them is difficult because they change all the time. This research um, is is really, I love the Duke Institute for Brain Sciences is studying this. I just think this is wonderful. But what they worked on was that that the the males do keep a song list, and how often each one is sung switches every. They're, they're, it's not. I mean, they don't use it again for thirty minutes. So if you're there. You know, think about it. So, you're the female sparrow. You've got on your best clothes. Perhaps you have a cocktail. You're sitting back in the tree just listening. You're going to be entertained. Telling you, men, y'all could learn something from this. There's a reason why men picked up the guitar and started singing outside the window. It was not so people would throw things at them, all right? But I love this 12 different two second songs, which takes about 30 minutes to get through, is absolutely the baseline for courtship amongst these birds. So that means that, you know, Mr. I'm better than you over here is probably going to sing for 45 minutes. I think that's wonderful. Um, what they wa- worked on, of course, <laughs> involved going out five hours a day and listening and recording and doing all this stuff. But the result is wonderful. And probably the, the degree that was rewarded is the same thing. Uh, they don't want to say that anybody would be bored, but they realize that people would be bored they don't There are not many very very many volunteers for this particular expedition. I don't
3: know. To me, it sounds kind of like you're going out and recording a, a little DJ battle between sparrows See, out in the it? forest. Isn't
2: that delightful? And they said if you like a relaxing trip outdoors, you know, and I mean, presumably there's a there's a, a little a snack along the way. You know, you're going to spend five hours out there. It's a nice day. You've got your parabolic microphone. You're pointing it at the song Sparrow for hours. They said the worst thing is that your arm gets tired. I'm sure we can fix that. <laughs> anyway... So delightful uh, let's see now there's uh interesting bunch of questions always why does why do birds do anything? Why does anything do anything it's generally to make more of themselves you know the 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 furtheration of the species is a big motivator in just about everything, even bats um I I I heard this week I n- I know this is not current but I just missed it before that that there's a, a bat that's been named after a poet which I think is delightful but the the field museum in Chicago has always studied bats and they're not telling us about that they're telling us about the inner ear structures of the two main groups of bats. Did you even know that there was more than one main group of bats? Well, of course there has to be. If there's not genetic diversity, we can't keep the bats going. But there are two very different ones and why they have different DNA and why they have different echolocation has never particularly been studied, which is why the first thing they had to do, of course, was to figure out what the differences are. (laughs) (laughs) I really love this. There's the ones that depend on vision, and then there's the ones that defend depend on echolocation entirely to find their bugs, and their ears are built differently. You might imagine that the ones that use less vision have sharper ears that's true, and in fact they do they've always they've been split into the, the how closely related they are to each other, which produces two different groups of bats, not particularly uh, you know yango caroptera but ying ying. Yin, Yin and yang is the point. Seven syllables each. Jeez. Why not?
3: So you I know, guess if some of them use vision, that means the old saying, blind as a bat, is also in question.
2: Would be very much in... Because they do use echolocation, but they primarily... They're bigger bats, so they use vision, presumably because their predators can see them, too. So they have to use that to get around the threats that would be around them. Meanwhile, the little bats... Are just busy out there looking for lunch <laughs> and their echolocation gets them there i know it's the middle of the night when they eat i get all that but anyway um the entomological society of america which i've never joined and probably will never be invited to i, I love when they go and search through the drawers and find stuff that we thought we knew what it was and now we would know well it turns out it's, there's actually 16 different wasps in this particular little group that we thought was one. You know, you live and learn, and you really ought to look more closely at things. As a matter of fact, listen now. This is weekend gardening.
6: He's okay, so pure.
7: The choices our teens make on prom night can impact them for the rest of their lives. Hi, I'm Chris Howard, Executive Director of the Mississippi Department of Rehabilitation Services. Because vehicle accidents are a leading cause of brain and spinal cord injuries in our state, we have teamed up with the Mississippi Highway Patrol to show young adults the serious consequences of poor choices behind the wheel. To learn more or book a Please Return on Monday program at your school, please visit us at mdrs.ms.gov. That's mdrs.ms.gov.
1: I think the teacher's asleep. Looks like
13: he's dreaming. Man, I can't wait to hang up my team mascot. <laughs> I-, I think he's having a nightmare. No, this is part of his lesson plan. He's
5: trying to show us that calling Mississippi 811 before you dig is so
7: easy, you can do it with your eyes closed. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries.
13: The best made to order lunch is right around the corner at 4th and Gold Sports Cafe. Eat in or carry out, DoorDash or Grubhub. Call 769 208 8283. That's 769 208 8283. Once again, 769 208 8283.
15: Get the most out of your tax refund with a new set of Kenda tires from Gateway Tire and Service Center, Jackson's proudest community sponsor with four convenient locations to serve you. Along with our great prices, your new Kenda tires come with a kind of protection you can't find anywhere else. Like free road hazard, free flat repair, free tire rotations and balancing, free inspections and more. See complete details online at GatewayTire.com. That's GatewayTire.com.
11: guy hey what because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth
1: hey there's hair on my head again
11: if a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life is it still paint regal select exterior from benjamin moore paint like no other
0: seabrook paints in jackson and ridgeland visit seabrookpaints.com
1: America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Outlander at Ridgeland Mitsubishi. Get high style without the high price. Plus, an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive once a day, starting at $26,095. get up to $3,500 over book value for your trip. During the spring sales event at Ridgeland Mitsubishi, get thunderstruck. MSRP based on Outlander ES2WD. Price terms and vehicle availability may vary. Important restrictions and rules apply to retailer for limited warranty and more details. Offer ends 331
2: Thank you so much. I know that you have lots and lots of choices. You got a to do list longer than mine, and probably many, many more responsibilities than I would even like to contemplate. So thank you for taking a little time for weekend gardening. You might be listening live. Hope you are. And then on the other hand, you might be listening to the rebroadcast. I got a note from someone just yesterday that said, I listened to you on the way home from church. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate you doing that. There's also podcasts. There's also on demand. Um, I should tell you that there's a little feature of the podcast. You do get another little tip from me. So that, that's interesting. Another little bit of bit of info to add to your knowledge
3: and technically if you're listening to the podcast you are taking part in time travel because we're communicating to you from the past
2: that is true that is very very true I, I try not to frighten people with that but our voices do go on into infinity so when you are on your rocket ship in the year oh, I don't know twenty <laughs> we'll still be out there hey y'all how y'all doing Judy in Lounge. this is a beautiful gardenia oh I just hate that part of it's not doing well What we're looking at, of course, is the problem with gardenias and so many other shrubs is that they may have been damaged but you don't see it for as much as a year. You might see it a few months later, or you might not see it for a year. Go to the part that is dead and look down at the bottom. You'll probably find a crack down in the base of the plant down there on that, where that part is joined to it, that, that particular stem or that particular branch. That's usually an indication that it froze and then it thawed and then it continued to grow right up until it couldn't. So don't prune it now. Um, The the time to prune gardenias is after their first spring flush of flowers, whether that's May or June, whenever it happens, and that's really the time to do that pruning. If the area is completely dead and you don't like it, you don't want to look at it, sure, you can take off anything that's completely dead, but just don't overdo it because you could impact the rest of the plant. Okay? Okay. Um, Greg, I don't think we needed to know this. (laughs) Nettleton is seeing snowflakes this morning. (laughs) You're just trying to keep me from going out and pruning my shrubs. But I have to tell you that these are not shrubs that I care about. That's why I'm going to prune them. And, yes, sometimes it's a matter of what we're going to get rid of as well as what we're going to encourage. And in my case, I'm trying to discourage these. So (laughs) there is part of that. Snowflakes, huh? Well, okay. (laughs) Why not? Why not? I love 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 um that our latest information uh, about the the gut our guts you know it gardening takes guts and a, a Caltech group of researchers have discovered that in fact there is a really really Specific, we, we, we know that there's something. Not, now that people are studying our gut so much, we recognize that there's things that are connected to other things in our body, how we feel, how we act, what we say, when we do it, and all these, all these other kinds of things. But we have not actually pinpointed, and now we're, about, we're getting into it. We're able to pinpoint the specific sets of neurons that do things. The reason for this is partly because it's curious, but also because anything that we can understand better gives us the opportunity to affect it. And if we can affect things like this particular study, looking for the particular molecule that causes anxiety. Now, obviously, the studies are not done in human beings, the first round. These are animal studies. But the good news is that we found it. So if we can isolate the anxiety molecule and somehow suppress it, think how much better we would be as a human race. We would have Fewer people having those levels of anxiety that are intolerable, and frankly, we might have just we might be able to just lower the temperature, so to speak, of the entire planet. This would really be terrific. Um, I, I never, I never knew that there was such a thing as the Nellie Sue Professor of Microbiology, but now that I do, I'm very happy that they're doing some work on gut bacteria and anxiety why not it's important something that everybody needs to know more about Stephen is wondering if uh, he started his tomato seeds too early in Corinth. well it depends on when you did that because if you think about it by the end of march you're going to be wanted you're going to want to be able to transplant some of those out there and it does take about six weeks so if you started in mid-february no you did fine on the other hand if you started in mid-january you're probably going to need to move them up into slightly larger containers and grow them on for a little bit before you put them outside. It'll just be too cold in Corinth. But what a good question. We, we, We always have to back up from the time. And so, for example, if you want to, let's talk candelabra plants, one of my very favorite summer annuals. You grow it from this big old fat seed. But if you wait and plant that seed where I live, in the ground, when the temperature warms up, you'll never get the flowers at the other end of the summer. So that's why people start them early in indoors and then get a nice, you know, grow it in a four-inch pot or something and get a plant that's six or eight or ten inches tall to be able to p- transplant outside. Tomatoes, you don't want them to be quite that big, but you still want to understand that you can't plant them until the last danger of frost is passed, unless you're growing in containers and intend to cover them up and take care of them that way, Okay, okay? Just one, one more thing to think about. We have a lot of things to think about. I am not, um, I, I'm, I'm not really the, the – I, I don't understand, that's what I should say. I don't really understand how sponges grow because they grow where there's no food and yet they somehow manage to find their food. It's not that they make their food, but they do find it. And this particular study from the Max Planck Institute for Marine Microbiology has been studying the Central Arctic Oceans, which is in fact full of sponges on the seamounts, you know, on the, on the mountains on the, the floor of the ocean there. They appear to feed on literally, literally the remnants of fauna that is now extinct. How specified is that? How do they survive once they eat? Well, we don't know. That's what they're studying. Microorganisms support the sponges, and it really they they in turn eat the sponge, and the sponge in turn eats what's extinct what's still there, the d- d- debris, the debris, the debris. but there's really not that much there. And since they are such a very, very basic form of life and so essential to these environments where they do gr- grow, it's very exciting to understand a little bit more about how these things work um it's it's the same thing you you've probably seen the 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 food chain you know where the little thing gets eaten by the big thing, gets eaten by the bigger thing, and eventually by the human. those are all true and when we lose things at the bottom, like the sponges and the microorganisms, what's gonna feed the next level and so that's how that's one of the reasons for doing this particular um study into these little hot spots, which are so odd, but why not I mean apparently they're huge (laughs) I like that I'm I'm fascinated by that I don't really understand how that it's there has to be a certain understanding that some things happen because of the way they are put together that is beyond my understanding and that's one of them here's one too (laughs) have you ever thought about the noises in our lives oh my goodness If you try to figure out, one of the things that I really enjoy when you're seeing someone get interviewed on a a television program or a radio program, I listen to a lot of stuff, you know, and and watch a lot of stuff, and some other device goes off. It's not like the cell phone ringing in the theater, but it's just some other noise. You know, it sounds like some beeping and bopping. And that's really, to me, one of the best indicators that these are actually human beings that you're hearing from because they couldn't control everything. But there's a frog that was found in the Amazon rainforest because it beeps. The way it sounds is a beep, and everybody thought it wasn't a real thing. This is uh, Peru's Comunidad Nativa tre Equina, they've been, uh, they've known about the, the ranadanta, which is the taper frog, but it's not, like, not like a candle taper, but taper, like the animal, T-A-P-I-R, where, because of its nose. But they never really understood how to go find it. So the biologists, you know, they can't help it. They're out there with parabolic microphones and and visions and and cameras and everything else. they got to find this baby. And eventually, the international researchers and the local guides did, in fact, find the frog. But all they had ever heard was the beep. And it beeped. And it continued to beep. So they were able to find this thing. Um, They live underground. They don't go very far, so their ranges are not big because they live underground. Makes sense. But when they finally did, they really knew there had to be more than one, and there is more than one, but it is indeed part of the Amazon's hidden diversity, which, of course, we are losing the more the Amazon is burned up and, and taken away, but... We we still have to document these frogs and these various other things, so I like the, the taper frog. I think that's fun. It looks like a caricature of a taper because it has, <laughs> this is so scientific, a big blobby body with this tiny little pointy head. <laughs> okay, then. They're about the size of a quarter. <laughs> They're, they live underground. You don't see them very much, but you hear them. And listening to them, must be pretty interesting. Veronica's in Winona. She has uh, two purple plum trees. Oh, gorgeous. They bloom, but they don't make plums. Do I need another kind to have plums? Um, you might. I would just make sure that the if the if if the leaves are purple and stay purple all the time as opposed to the plums that are supposed to be purple. If it's actually the leaves, you may have an ornamental one that's very difficult to get to make plums from. However, if you mean that it's supposed to make purple plums, then yes, it w- certainly won't hurt to have a pollinator tree, and it will un- will most likely help it a great deal. Um, four years old is about the time that they should start bearing. So if you've done your pruning and your fertilizing coming up to now, then you should be looking at a, a fruit crop after it blooms this year. But I would go ahead and plant another one, too. And usually, not not every... Plum, but most plums can be pollinated by one called methley, M-E-T-H-L-E-Y. Okay? Okay. Uh, we, we're we lucky. We can just grow almost everything. Almost everything. Uh, tomato timing, that's such a good question. One of the things that I always am interested in is how things vary. In other words, if you don't use bottom heat, under your tomatoes you could be looking they always say well how come you say six to eight weeks because if you're not sprouting them with heat underneath them it's going to take longer to sprout so that makes the whole growing time a little bit longer and if you don't have adequate light they're going to try to stretch on you so it will actually be shorter till you have to move them into some better light so if there's there's things that you, you can't really go much shorter than six weeks to produce a tomato plant, but you, you sometimes do have to go a little bit shorter or a little bit longer. So it just depends on what how your practice is as well as the whole thing. The, um, <laughs> y'all are funny. I can't say these things, but y'all are very, very funny. Anyway, purple plums. I also want to know from somebody, do y'all grow green-gauge plums? There are a few people that do, and I wish it was more, because quite frankly, they are just delicious plums, and they do grow pretty easily in our part of the world. It's one of the things that we don't—we only see them for a minute at the farmer's market, and then they're—they're they're gone. So that's something we have to th- consider. I believe I do
3: believe that was my one thing I always learned when I worked with you, Garden Mama. I had no idea that was even a plum, and when you look it up a rich confectionery flavor
2: it is that's very true it there you know there are people if if you have tremendous problems processing sugar you have to be very careful what fruit you eat because some of it's frankly sweeter than you know anything else you're going to put in your mouth it's not that not that you can just make those changes you have to actually look at it but green gauge is also a pretty tree and it's a very pretty plum it's just one that is it, it was popular I'm, I'm guessing it'll come back around again <laughs> Um don't forget I will be put marking mark your calendar right now for March 12th. I will be happily returning again to buds and blooms for the spring program there's always stuff going on at buds and blooms in Weston but this particular one will be at 1 p.m. and it will be me and I'm gonna talk about houseplants. plants and uh, I just this week i got to paint a room so I moved plants all into a smaller space in my house. And it's for those of you who will be joining me um to to for for Tulip Tuesday in 2 weeks, I'm going to look like I have stuff growing out of my head cuz they're all in my office in my space where my zoom light is. <laughs> it's going to be funny, but the good news is that I'll be able to get the room painted. So that that needed to be done. Everything Why is it that everything always needs attention? Rhino and I were talking about home maintenance this very morning. (laughs) There's a lot always to be done no matter where you live. All right, now, listen up. I don't do this too often, but I'm looking for a date. Well, the date's here, actually. Coming up on May 13th and May 14th is the Mudbug Music Festival in Natchez and our darling Lucinda Williams. We'll be there. Who's going? Let me hear from you. Stick around now, this is Weekend Gardening.
7: right now you can play Wheel of Fortune practically anywhere. With the Wheel of Fortune scratch-off ticket from the Mississippi Lottery, you can win up to 17 times on a single ticket. The top prize is a cool $100,000. It even has its own second chance promotional prizes. You can win trips, prizes, and yes, even more cash. Get your Wheel of Fortune scratch-off tickets today and have fun, y'all. Gambling problem?
6: together to keep our Mississippi rolling.
1: It's that time of year when love is in the air and you just crave something sweet. Valentine's Day wrong. It's Mazda of Jackson's Sweet Deal Sales Event. That's right, all February. We're giving you the sweetest deals possible on our entire selection of Mazdas. Right now, get 0.9% financing on every 2022 Mazda in stock. That's right, 0.9% APR, which will save you thousands in finance charges. Plus, get 750 finance cash and 0.9% APR on Mazda CX-9s. And Mazda of Jackson will take care of your first year's maintenance at no cost to you. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Mazda of Jackson. In 2022, we're saying farewell to old credit issues, and looking forward to your future. Our staff is ready to get you approved today. 100% credit approval is our number one goal. Bring us your trade. We'll give you top dollar for it. So come scoop up your sweet deal before it's too late at Mazda of Jackson, where nobody walks away because everybody saves. Our all-new state-of-the-art facility is located at 5397 I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. Mazdaofjackson.com. See dealer for details with preferred credit on select models. Attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Business owners and professionals face special challenges in divorce court. They have to contend with allegations that they are earning more than they are, coupled with claims on their business or practice itself. Clients with assets depend on their divorce lawyer skills in these matters. And that's why it's so important to hire someone that has those skills. Online at CordellCordell.com. Office in Richland, Mississippi. Free
13: background information available upon request. Joseph Cordell, licensed in Missouri and Illinois only. For the trees
15: tax refund? Spend it on something you really need. A set of Kenda tires from Gateway Tire and Service Center. With each and every Gateway Tire purchase comes free flat repairs, free rotations, free road hazard, and free tire balancing. Plus, with four locations near you, we'll make sure you and your new Kenda tires are back on the road fast. If you need mechanical repairs, visit your Jackson or Yazoo City Gateway Tire for brake work, AC tune-up, suspension service, and so much more. See complete details online at gatewaytire.com. That's gatewaytire.com.
6: I'm okay.
2: talked about carrots at the beginning of today's show. And now I'm going to tell you why your kids don't like carrots. It's because you didn't roast them. And therefore, they're not sweeter than sugar. Ah. But seriously, now, you can boil the life out of a carrot just like you can boil the life out of any vegetable. I have to tell you that I did not eat squash. They called it smothered squash. And some people still cook it and some people still love it. But it was way past squash from it was squashed squash from my point of view and I I actually, it turns out I like squash but I don't like it when it's been cooked into next year you know And I'm afraid that a lot of us are the same way with carrots so here's the deal put your oven on 400 degrees it's so much faster than you think and yeah you can do it in a good toaster oven too Um, put it on 400 degrees cut the carrots into one inch long pieces And, and if you have one that's Two inches across, you'll have to cut it again because you're trying to get pieces that are about an inch by an inch, something like that. Little bit of olive oil, little bit of salt and pepper, if you like salt and pepper. You may not. You may like, I don't know, some some seasoning. You know,
3: tikka masala,
2: whatever you like. Exactly, just another flavor of some sort. I'm I'm kind of into sumac, but not everybody is. Um, anyway, a little bit of a something on there, and then literally toss them and put them in the oven set the timer don't walk away you will turn them into shoe leather set the timer for 10 minutes come back turn them over and when they're brown and you can put a fork through them take them out cuz they're going to keep cooking one side'll get brown you don't have to get the other side brown if you don't like to but I'm telling you this is going to be the sweetest thing you ever ate and yes it sounds preachy but salt always makes things sweeter i know that sounds crazy <coughs> but it, it's the truth <laughs> Meanwhile, more recipes are pouring in here for grilling shrimp and carrots and onions. Not a bad choice. I'm not going to disagree. Kevin also says in Newton that um, he started roasting his carrots and he adds them to his soups and stews at the end. Game changer. Mm. So true. So, so true. When you hear all those people talk about building layers of flavor, it's actually easier than it seems, particularly for those of us who... Don't necessarily, I I put everything out, but I don't cook it all at the same time. There's not a mise en place. There's nobody standing over my shoulder saying, hurry up and get this dish out to the table. You know, there's no one doing that. So I can cook, I can roast the carrots and wait and then throw them in the soup later on. I made chicken broth this week and threw it into um, butternut squash soup. It was really good. (laughs) It's not hard to do. In fact, for me, it's actually harder to go out to eat. And I don't mean any disrespect to my friends in the restaurant business, because they work really hard. But to get me to go out for dinner, again, I have the three cats, and I have the, you know there's the dog, I have all these things I have to do. But it's difficult to get me there. And sometimes I just have to look in the refrigerator and say, well, there's some roasted carrots in here. I think I'll throw them into this other soup. And he's right. It does make a world of difference. Um. Roasted turnips are really different from other turnips, too. If you don't like the turnips that come with the turnip greens, it's because they were not roasted. They were boiled. So roast, roast them. It's a different thing. But believe me, it doesn't take very long. And if you overcook them, you'll be sorry. So don't do that. Don't do that. All right, now, let's see if I can get to the, another one, a set of these bits and pieces of information today. There's always more information. For any of you who intend to do um, talk radio, You have to have three times as much stuff as you have time to do it. Because let's face it, y'all might not call me. (laughs) Y'all might not text me. Rhino might not want to talk. All of those things would be rare, but it, it could happen. It's also true that back in the day, the phone lines would die, so you couldn't call, and the person sitting here still had to continue talking. They're just all that sort of stuff. You know, you have to be, you literally have to be prepared. And I'm, I'm so glad I had such a great teacher. Stephen's got one more question. Is it okay to mix fruit trees in my yard? Um, yeah, as long as you're not, as long as you're not trying to prevent pollination, for example, if, if, you, wanted, if you wanted to segregate your plums, one, one variety of plums from another, or if you wanted to segregate persimmons, from the from from improved varieties, you were trying to keep wild varieties and 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 improved ones too. You'd need to separate those, but as long as they have enough space between the trees, enough sunlight, and enough water, and and your attention, I, you're gonna you can plant fruit trees. For example, um, my fruit my my figs are about my figs didn't my figs are trees. My blueberries didn't used to be, but I got a couple of blueberries that are approaching tree size. And they're 10 feet from each other without, they don't even know each other's there. Get much closer than that, you're going to have some competition problems. Um, interestingly. Yep. Oh, no. Now he's going to make me. Oh, no. Oh, goodness gracious. <sighs> now, see, Kevin, you agree with me about carrots, Kevin and Newton. And now you're going to tell me to replace the potatoes in the pot roast with rutabaga. No. (laughs) No. I'm sure it's wonderful. I could even eat parsnips occasionally. But, oh, my goodness. That's a hard one. It is a different flavor. You're exactly right. It's a different flavor. Um, I can't always cook it better at home. But, you know, it's a... I got to tell you, Ken, I can't always cook better at home. I'm just often at home. <laughs> I need some food. So. Brian, you were cooking something I saw on Twitter this week that was—I um, I was tickled, and I wish now I could remember what it was. But what
3: you—Well, I've done a couple. I've done the deer strips. I've done a shrimp salad. I've done uh, several you were, things. You
2: were cooking shrimp, but I just can't remember what I thought was so cool about it. Probably the—the the way you were cooking them. It just looked like you knew what you were doing. And I like that. If I'd known you'd had the deer strips I would have called you. <laughs> but
3: <laughs> well, the deer strips are really simple if you've got deer steaks because usually deer steaks are a little bit smaller than than beef steaks, but yeah, yeah. take them and cut them into about quarter or half inch wide strips as long as the the steak is. Try to cut with the grain so it's a little easier to chew. You don't have to tenderize them or anything, just batter them, and you can batter them however you want to. You Mm. can do a simple flour batter with just salt and pepper, or if you want to egg wash it and panko it and all that kind of... You can do whatever you want. Just get your grease good and hot, about 350, 375 batter them throw them in there and once you get a system going you can get about five or six of them battered by the time the ones that are in the grease need to come out no because it only takes about a minute minute and a half in the now grease i'm
2: really hungry this is dangerous but yeah
3: you, you let that those sit on a, on a rack and dry out a little bit and mm, mm, mm. they're good stuff
2: jeff says that uh we should cube the turnips and bread them with cornmeal and skillet fry them like okra that sounds pretty good. I can tell you that that is that works beautifully for tofu, and I mean that seriously. I love tofu, and, and one of the things I really like to do with it is f- to fry it in cubes, because there's not it's crunchy on the outside and soft on the inside, in the same way that you would hope that this the turnip would be. You know, it has that same kind of good quality to it. Don't get upset because I said tofu, y'all. Wake up.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to go even farther, you can if you can find it, mochi is really good roasted.
2: that's harder to find but yes delicious delicious uh, I'm I'm one of those people that has very seldom found food I don't like and the reason I don't like rutabagas probably because I've had them cooked badly and there's so much to it that I'm not gonna go buy one and start because good grief I'd be here forever trying to do all of that but anyway we've now run out of time good question y'all Y'all are going to continue. No sour taste at all. Well, and, and I appreciate that about the turnips, because I do love turnips when they're sweet. I, I love y'all because you're sweet. Thank you so much for listening to Weekend Gardening, for participating in the mayhem that we appreciate creating every Saturday. And whenever you're listening, don't forget to keep on growing. I'm Garden Mama. I'll see you next week.
15: Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of TeleSouth South Communications. <laughs>
5: time to take a road trip down to the coast for CPR Fest 20. Outside on the grounds for the Mississippi Coast Coliseum, Saturday, April 2nd. Starring Mississippi's own, Three Doors Down, live. Five, five, five. Three Doors Down with Cedar. Plus Bad Flower.